Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 197, Music and Ghosts with Erica Waters, but also so much more. So much more. Yeah, I think we had a great conversation with Erica. It's always really nice to talk to someone who, like, this is their debut book, and they're really excited about it, and you can hear all the passion there, and it really makes me happy. We touch on so many subjects, all of which gave me great ideas for reading further, and I think you all are going to really enjoy Erica's interview and also her book. Yeah, it's it's a very good book. Definitely check it out. We are so pleased that our newest patrons have checked us out. Rayana, Leslie, Eliana, and Alana. Wow, what a beautiful and and sibilant string of names. Thank you for joining us. You make it possible for this to be our jobs. Along with the supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Alicia, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Landon, Megan, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Molly, Mr. Folk, Neil, Nikki, Phil Fresh, Polly, Riley, Sarah, and Skyla. What wonderful people. The, the Megan trio, still there. Love that. And uh, I believe that they, too, would enjoy music and also uh, forests and swamps. Absolutely. And thank you to our legend-level patrons, to whom I get to send fun packages every month. Audra, Chelsea, Clara, Drew, Eden, Francis, Jack Marie, Josie, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Sarah, and BME Scotty. What wonderful beings. I would play Enchanted Fiddle for them any day of the week. A thousand percent. And now, Julia, can you tell me what you were reading, watching, or listening to over this past long weekend? Yeah, Jake and I kind of stumbled across the new Netflix show, Teenage Bounty Hunters. Which I put on just as kind of background, wasn't expecting to really like it, but it seemed fun and like something to do. And wow, it's really good. Really? Yeah. The the bounty hunters are teenagers themselves? The teenagers are bounty hunters and the bounty hunters are teenagers. Incredible. I love that. It definitely surprised me in a lot of ways. It takes place in Atlanta, Georgia, and the two uh, titular teens are like affluent white Christians. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but it goes in a lot of directions that I wasn't expecting. That's awesome. I really enjoy it. I know you usually don't do double recommendations, but I played through all of Spiritfarer, mm. uh, which you heard me learn about live uh, in, in the Urban Legends episode. Uh, and it was fantastic and devastating. And if you uh, are ready for a fun sort of quest style video game about grief, Spiritfarer is the one for you. That sounds delightful. I'm really excited. And I heard you can hug the different animals. It's important. You to can me. hug them. It's great. Great. We also want to recommend if you're looking for something to listen to this week that Meddling Adults is back. Season two launched yesterday and Meddling Adults went so well as an experiment that we're just bringing it back as a full show. So I am so excited. Mike has some great guests booked for the season and we're trying to beat last season's total of donating $750 to the 10 winning charities uh, in total that the guests of each episode who won chose. So we are very stoked. The art was refreshed. The music was refreshed. The show is like polished up and ready. And I really love it. Yeah, I will say Mike did tell us one of the guests that he booked for the second season. And when he did, I screamed. So <laughs> that's true. That is that is if that's any indication, the quality of the guests this season you should check it out. So go to meddlingadults.com to learn more about the show or just search for Multitude in your podcast player and Meddling Adults will come right up. 
And then finally, in terms of housekeeping for this week, before we get to this great interview, we are doing a mailbag slash advice slash listener follow up extravaganza for episode 200. So if you have questions for that episode, please go to spiritspodcast.com, use the contact form and put mailbag in your subject line. And we will answer your questions. We've talked on and off about lots of things about our lives in the show over the last 199 episodes, but we've never done a dedicated like Q&A mailbag app. So I'm very excited and I cannot wait to record that. Yeah. So send us questions about our lives, about mythology, about, you know, just all kinds of stuff. This is our get to know you time. Podcast stuff, uh, specific advice, times that you were listening to spirits and something spooky happened. Uh, and if there's any ways that spirits has changed your life for the better or, or brought you closer to somebody, we'd love to know. Yes, absolutely. We would. So you can send those to spiritspodcast at gmail.com or through our contact page on our website. So without further ado, please, A, buy Erica Waters' book from an independent bookstore near you, and B, enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 197, Music and Ghosts with Erica Waters. We're so excited to have Erica Waters with us today. She writes young adult fantasy with a Southern Gothic feel, which is already enough for me to be like, please come on to the show. Um, she's originally from the Pinewoods of rural Florida and has made her home in Nashville with her spouse and two scruffy little rescue dogs. And Ghostwood Song, which we're going to be talking about today, is her debut novel. Congratulations, Erica. Congrats. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Um, I do need to know at the start what the name of your dogs are. Uh, Nutmeg and Luna. Oh, Oh, so Perfect. good, both of them. <laughs> I just started getting a little teared up. <laughs> Nutmeg is a beagle and Luna is a little chihuahua. <laughs> oh, so adorable. I love it. I've also spent some time in Nashville and I would like to know if Barista Parlor is okay. Is everyone there doing all right in East Nashville? You know, I don't I don't I don't live in East Nashville. I don't I don't know how Barista Parlor is doing. I don't know if I've ever even been to Barista Parlor. Well, it's extraordinary. Well, once everything reopens. Yeah. It's great. I'll have to, ch- I'll have to check on it now, though. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, they have like a full fridge of Topo Chico, um, like a Topo Chico branded fridge with bottles in it. And their cold brew is great. Anyway, just lo- love those guys. And I can't <laughs> okay. wait to go back. <laughs> so, Erica, would you start by just telling us a little bit about Ghostwood Song so our listeners can kind of have a little background about what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, of course. So Ghostwood Song is um, a young adult contemporary fantasy, meaning it's set in our world, you know, not like um, set in a secondary world that I made up. Um, So it is about a girl with a ghost raising fiddle, uh, meaning that when she plays this fiddle, she can call up ghosts and they can take a physical form and speak and even touch people. Um, It's temporary and it's dangerous, but it's possible. Um, however, that fiddle was lost when her father died, and um, but she starts hearing it calling to her in the pines, um, this fiddle tune that her father used to play, and she wants very much to find it. Um, and then when her brother, Jesse, um, gets arrested um, for murdering their stepfather, which, you know, she's like, of course he didn't murder my stepfather. I have to solve this problem. And the way she does that is um, she's like, I have to find this fiddle. I have to I have to raise my stepfather's ghost and I have to prove that my brother is innocent. And so that's that's the premise of the novel. So there is a murder mystery. There's raising ghosts. 
There's music. I'm not saying that our listeners should pause right now and go pre-order the book, but they should, in fact, go now and order the book. Just go order it from your local uh, your local independent bookstore. You're going to be happy. I promise. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, Erica, I would love if you can tell us, like, is there part of your own, like, past experiences that you kind of tied into the book? Is there a certain, like, story from your childhood that you think kind of inspired the the plot line for this? Sure, sure. Well, first, I'll tell you, like, where I came up with the idea for the ghost raising fiddle, um, which is more recent. So, um, I was working upstairs in my attic office, and I heard a banjo playing, Um, And we have two banjos in our house, but I was home alone. And so I was like, well, that's spooky. And so like (laughs) I creeped down the stairs, you know, I'm like all goosebumpy and the music stops. I go into the room where the banjo is, it's just sitting there all by itself. And I think, okay, it was just vibrations and the resonator, you know, that must be what I heard or um, something from outside that I just thought was a banjo. But I couldn't stop thinking about this idea of a ghost playing a banjo. I'm like, (laughs) Or, or any any musical instrument, like, you know, why would they play it? What would they be wanting to communicate? You know, and then and then I started thinking, well, could well could music like that be a bridge, you know, between the living and the dead, a way, a way to, to touch um, beyond the veil? And so that's where I got the initial idea um, for Ghostwood Song. <laughs> I, I love that. But yeah, I definitely have um, past experiences that shaped the novel, too. So um I grew up in a house that everyone in my neighborhood believed was haunted. So this is where I spent my formative childhood years. Honestly, the dream. (laughs) So it was this very old two-story house, and it was kind of falling apart. We We were pretty poor, I'll admit. It was probably filled with like asbestos and lead paint and, you know, who knows what. Um, However, everyone else believed that it was filled with ghosts. And so, um, you know, it was really drafty. So doors would kind of creak open on their own. And um, people saw things in the house that they couldn't explain. And so kids in my neighborhood would not come into my house. (laughs) No one came to my house to play. We always played outside. (laughs) On the other hand, on Halloween, I bet you had leftover candy that you could enjoy which is also kind of the dream. That's true. True, 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 true. I feel like as a neighborhood kid, that would be the only time I would go visit the, the local haunted house is during Halloween. Yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. Fair, <laughs> So I moved, I moved out of that house in third grade, um, but so many of my like early experiences are there. And, and um, there was one definite ghost sighting. Would you guys like to hear about that? Absolutely. That was yes. going to be my next question. Okay, so this is from my my mom, uh, who one night, she says that an old man walked into the house and he was a ghost. And he said to her, don't worry, I won't hurt you. I'm just looking for someone. Ooh, That's like our one definite, you know, like this is the story that gets told over and over again. I personally never saw a ghost in that house. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that um, some of the ghosts that I wrote in Ghostwood Song, I later heard from relatives were similar to ghosts that they had seen in our house. Oh, no. Oh, no. The subconscious. <laughs> the subconscious. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> that is so cool. I love that. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of wild. 
I was going to ask if you had ever felt like anything, even if you hadn't seen anything. But now I have to I have to circle back to your mom's experience. So it was just like a creepy old man. Did your mom do any investigation to see like if anyone died in the house or anything like that? Or she was just cool with being like, well, you know, there's ghosts here. We don't need to know who they are. My my mom takes the supernatural very, just very chill, you know, like she didn't even describe it as a creepy experience. She just saw him as a human being who was now a ghost. And so I was raised with this, with this sense that like, if ghosts exist, that doesn't mean they're scary or that we should be afraid of them. Like, I think I was, I don't know, raised with a kind of compassion towards ghosts. And, you know, so like growing up, it's like, do I actually believe in ghosts? Like rationally, do I? Maybe not. But it doesn't really seem to matter if my brain believes in ghosts. Do you know what I mean? It's like some Mm -hmm. other part of me believes in them from my childhood and the way I was raised. And so like rationally, if I don't believe in ghosts, oh, well, you know, too bad brain. Um, Mm -hmm. You believe in ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is getting a little bit more into the like literary Uh, side of things. But I, to me, Florida is like its own plane. And in talking about Southern literatures, Florida literatures seems to me like its own subgenre as well. So thinking about hauntings and Southern Gothic and Florida as your place of origin, how do you kind of like view all those things in conversation with each other? Florida is an interesting place. I think like when I tell people I'm from Florida, they usually picture like beaches, you know, and Miami. But where I'm from, it's more like Georgia, but with alligators, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's oak trees, like laden with Spanish moss, and it's old falling down houses. And it's also a lot of poverty, you know. So when we talk about Southern Gothic, we talk a lot about these days, especially people who are writing Southern Gothic, we tend to talk about atmosphere, you know, and spookiness and ghosts. But of course, Southern Gothic is rooted in um, poverty and and racism, violence and trauma. Um, and so that part of Florida where I'm from unfortunately has a lot of those things. Um, I think I think you can't you can't disconnect those those roots of Southern Gothic from ways that it's being expressed now because I think if you just take kind of the aesthetics of Southern Gothic, they're empty um, right. And so I don't see people so far mention that much about my novel. Like I haven't seen very many people talk about, um, you know, how the protagonist is low income or how she's dealing with generational trauma. Um, but that's really the kind of stuff that's at the heart of Southern Gothic. And then I think coming specifically from from Florida and, and the past that we have there and what things look like now, for me, that's kind of all bound up together. And to me, haunting is an absolute motif as well. Like that is generational trauma. That is the you know effects of poverty over multiple generations. Um, those are all hauntings and echoes of the past that we deal with, whether or not we believe in them or want to recognize them. That's exactly right. And that's and that's how I approached ghosts in this novel. Like the ghosts are real. They're very much like people who have passed on, but they they are very much also about my main character and her family's unresolved issues, the trauma of their past, the darkness of their past that they haven't been willing to bring into the light, that they haven't been willing to speak about. And I I think the best ghost stories, I'm biased, I guess, but I think the (laughs) best ghost stories are the ones where the ghosts are our unresolved trauma and, 
you know, our problems psychologically and our unresolved issues. Like with ghosts, we always say, oh, they have, you know, unresolved issues. That's why they're still sticking around. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I think ghosts are more about our unresolved issues. And you can see that in books like, I mean, The Haunting of Hill House, which is one that I think most people will be familiar with, if only from the Netflix show. Like, that's one of those that really walks that line between is this real? You know, are these things really happening? Um, and how much of it is just being drawn out of the characters who have their own issues? And you can see the same thing with a book like The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters. Have, it, have other of you read that? I know her music. Oh, oh sorry, that's Sarah Watkins. I'm <laughs> so silly. No. <laughs> I haven't read it, no. Yeah, so Sarah Waters is, is um, she's, a, she's an amazing lesbian author. Um, and this particular book is a ghost story. Um, and it's really scary. It's one of the scariest books I've read. And yet at the end, spoiler alert, um, you're left wondering, I don't, I don't think, I don't think those ghosts were from anyone except for the narrator. Like, I think that was the narrator's psyche, like acting upon, you know, this haunted house. There's just so much to unpack there with, with, with ghosts and how much they're a representation of us and our hangups and our trauma. That absolutely. And I think that's probably why authors are so drawn to ghosts as a subject. And I'm sure that's part of the reason why you were drawn to ghosts as uh, the subject for your novel. Yeah, definitely. Julia, we are sponsored this week by, um, I'm sorry, everybody, the best sponsor we've ever had on Spirits. It's it's Blazeball. And what is Blazeball, you're probably asking us? Well, Amanda, it's it's fantasy baseball for people who like like demons and Eldritch Horrors and Hellmouths. Every now and again, your player gets incinerated because that's the thing that happens in Blazeball. And then your favorite player gets replaced by someone named Randy Marijuana. And it's just, it's the best online experience I think I've ever had in terms of sports or otherwise. Yeah, it's a, a browser game where you can, you know, bet on teams and like join fandoms and stuff. Uh, there's no money. Um, you, you There's no consequences except for like your players getting, um, you know, incepted into hell. And it is incredibly fun. If you like Welcome to Night Vale, if you like weird fiction, if you like the writing of Carmen Maria Mikado, you are going to really, really love Blazeball. And we are so excited they wanted to work with us. It, it is literally a dream come true. I haven't been this excited since Ben and Jerry started selling non-dairy ice cream. It's true. Um, um, it's just it's it's truly a momentous occasion. So go join Blazeball, sign up, pick a favorite team. I recommend the Hellmouth Sunbeams. I support the magic, uh, which I chose based on their emoji, which is the the sparkle magic emoji. Yeah. Beautiful. Yellowstone magic for Amanda. But anyway, that is blazeball.com. That is B-L-A-S-E-B-A-L-L.com. Join for free. It is so much fun. And tell us that you did so we can support your uh, your choice of team if you join one of the two teams that Julie and I support. Mm -hmm. We are also sponsored this week by BetterHelp. And if there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, or for me, an anxiety, a worry that is kind of preventing you from enjoying your day-to-day -day life, BetterHelp will help you assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours for this professional counseling done securely securely online. It's neither a crisis line nor self-help. It is real therapy with a professional over video, voice, or chat. There's also a broad range of expertise
expertise available, which might not be locally available in many areas. It's available for clients worldwide, which is amazing. And you can log on to your account anytime to send a message to your counselor, which I really enjoy because if I'm thinking about something or, you know, our session is ending and I kind of have a thing I want to, you know, write about or talk about and follow up, I can just do it right away in the same app. And it's honestly so convenient. Yeah. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials at betterhelp.com slash reviews. And you can visit betterhelp.com slash spirits. That's betterhelp.com slash spirits to join over a million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp right now that they're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Isn't that wild? So Spirits listeners can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash spirits. Amanda, sometimes there's just a lot going on and you really just don't feel like you have time for yourself and sometimes not your partner either. And it's these times of stress and anxiety that it makes it hard to remember to focus on taking time for yourself. But your joy and your pleasure are just like so important, especially right now, given the state of the world. So you have to put your well-being first with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and also wellness sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. They are immersive. They are written for what they are. It's not like just reading a short story someone wrote for a different like topic. It is designed for this experience. And there is something for everyone, no matter whoever and whatever you're into. Yeah. And the nice part is they add new content every week. So there's always something new to explore. Maybe you want to have like a story about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger or something about uh, getting closer to your sexy yoga instructor that you just can't stop thinking about. Or even stories about uh, trying a new toy together or, you know, getting tied up. Whatever. They have so many options and their wellness sessions can also help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner. This is stuff that's hard to talk about. It's hard to Google. It's hard to know sort of how to get more comfortable with whatever it is that you're trying to work on. So check out Dipsy today. You can get a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash spirits. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash spirits to sign up for a 30-day free trial. Dipsystories.com slash spirits. It's sexy. And now let's get back to the show. Now, I'm, ve- I'm very curious because obviously music plays a really important role into your book. Uh, so how do ghosts sort of play into the history of uh, bluegrass and folk music? Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So so bluegrass is a music. I think when most people hear bluegrass, all they all they can think of are the like, you know, like the banjo. Bluegrass as a genre is very much nostalgic. It's filled with longing. Um, It's filled with this longing for a home that may or may not be real. You know, it's this kind of idealized past um, and sort of wanting to to return to some place that felt simpler, that felt um, peaceful. And so, like, there aren't necessarily tons of bluegrass songs that are about ghosts, Mm -hmm. but I think there's, there's a beautiful resonance between bluegrass music and 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 ghosts kind of in, in the way that we've been talking about them as this longing for for home this longing for family this long to connect with something that we have lost um there's a lot of that in in bluegrass music um and of course bluegrass has partly grown out of um, more like appalachian folk music that's one of mm-hmm. the avenues that bluegrass came to be from and and of course like appalachian folk um has such a resonance with southern gothic literature 
um, because it's dealing with a lot of the same themes like poverty, violence, trauma. Um, and of course, um, Appalachian music is, 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 has a lot of murder ballads. So I know we want to talk about, I don't know if we're ready to get into murder ballads yet. Listen, we're always, always. ready for murder ballads. <laughs> so um, I have this, I have this like love hate relationship with murder ballads. Um, so for listeners who might not know what I'm talking about, a murder ballad is um, like a traditional folk song that depicts a murder, which could be a real historical murder or one that's made up. And it kind of goes into the detail of the murder and then the outcome, which is usually the murderer hanging at the end of the mm -hmm. song. But a, a lot of a lot of murder ballads are about men killing women. So, you know, it's like a man impregnates a woman and rather than, you know, owning up to it, he kills her. And so there's a lot of songs like that, that after a while you just get tired of hearing, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, we have, we've, we've had enough of the misogyny. Mm -hmm. uh, but that said, there are some, there are some really cool uh, murder ballads also about women um, who are the killers. And, and I can tell you about a couple of those that are my favorites. Go ahead. We were okay. so excited. Okay. So um, there's, there's one um, called Young Hunting, and, and my favorite version of it is by Sheila K. Adams. And so it's about um, a woman who, whose lover disappoints her because he wants to go home to his wife, and she gets angry, and in a rage, she stabs him in the heart with a penknife and throws his body into a well. Um, and so that's like one of the one of the few times you get to see women in the role of the killer um, in these songs, which is usually in a role of kind of jealousy. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it's it's a relief from <laughs> from the constant uh, murdered women. I have to say that's a little dark to say, but you know, it's like okay, yeah. Finally, yeah, we get to see women in that role of, of power. Yeah, we can we can take a pause on the violence against women for just a minute, I think. <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. Oh, but there's there's one other one um, that, that might be a little more satisfying. So this one's not always categorized as a murder ballad, um, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it should be categorized as one. So this is a really, really old song called Lady as Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight. And mm -hmm. in this one, um, this one is like really, really old. I think it's Scottish. Anyway, so the um, this knight says he's going to marry this woman. He's going to take her off to live by the sea. Um, but once they get there, instead, he says he's going to rob her and throw her in the ocean. And he tells her he's already done this to six other women. He's very proud of himself. And so she, however, is very wily and shrewd. And she tricks him and pushes him into the ocean instead. And I love the last line, which is, the seventh has drowned you. And <laughs> so it's like, not only did she drown him, but she really rubbed it in his drowning face. And I just appreciate that. <laughs> Plus there's a lot of magic to that. Being the seventh of something usually represents like power and like destiny and magic. So the fact that she reversed the, the seventh curse, let's say onto him is, oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Poetry. <laughs> it's poetry. <laughs> That is excellent. I love a murder ballad personally, like whether it is a, a show tune or there's a couple of um, modern Southern Gothic murder ballads that I can think of. One being, uh, it's called Maneater by the Blue-Eyed Blondes. And it's just this beautiful kind of repetitive uh, pattern to the music and the story that it tells is great and ironic and delightful. 
Uh, the last line of it is, uh, just to kind of spoil the song a little bit, it's, uh, he tastes like pig, but that's okay. I eat him every day. <laughs> it's extremely good. It's very, very good. I stumbled across it on like a Spotify playlist. And I was like, oh, I need all of the songs like this, please. Get, send me all of the modern murder ballads, listeners, please. <laughs> that is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's delightful. Are there other examples of music as a um, a sort of like interdimensional ghost to concrete reality bridge that you can think of? I mean, I'm sure there are, but off the top of my head, it's hard to say. It's sort of like a like a general theme. You know, there's the like Orpheus thing and the modern interpretation in Hades Town, and I don't know. I mean, there's there's some way in which hearing otherworldly strains of music will like lead you to a Fay Bower. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It just seems like one of those things that is so present. It's almost hard to like think of an example. I just I just kind of want to like talk them off the top of my head to like the sirens yeah. luring sailors into the ocean via music is like the opposite of what we're talking about here which i just i really like the association between music and death because music feels so tied to life in a way yeah like it is a thing that we that is so intricately woven into being human and being alive yeah yeah and and it in Ghostwood's song, um, there is a sense of, of danger in, in the way that Shady, the main character, uses music and uses her fiddle to connect to the dead. Because once she starts playing it, she resurrects um, this entity, the Shadow Man, who is a danger to her and who threatens her, her very existence. Um, mm. And he's, he's a figure who was in her childhood dreams whenever she would hear her father play the fiddle. Um, she would often be visited by the shadow man um, who is this kind of shadow figure who um, would choke her like, um, you know, and so he, after her dad died and the fiddle went away, that didn't happen anymore. Um, but once she gets the fiddle again and starts playing, um, she, she opens herself back up to this, to this entity. Um, and I won't say too much more about him because mm-hmm. it would be a spoiler for the book. Um, but there's definitely, I think, this sense that uh, when we use music as a way to connect um, to the dead or to, to another realm, that there is a sense of danger in it. Um, and, and especially with, with Shady, like there's so much grief uh, wound up in her music because her father has died and she's grieving for him. And so there is that sense that, you know, she gets caught up in the fiddle and she wants to keep playing, even though it's hurting her and it's harmful to her. Um, So I don't know, maybe there's something there. Yeah, I love that. Um, I I like that there. Personally, I just love stories where there is like danger within power, like having to yield Mm -hmm. power responsibly is always, always something that I love in my novels and my books and my world building. So uh, it reminds me of Amanda's one of Amanda's favorite book series right there then with the Sabriel, Amanda. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's always great to me when like power is acknowledged as a uh, the sort of like the the flip side of danger or those things are even on a continuum or, you know, power wielded by rules is the only acceptable way because otherwise it's like a uh, excuse to, you know, do whatever one wants. And that's why the sort of like live by a code, like Jedi slash abhorsen <laughs> thing um, in, in the Garthnik series is so sort of compelling to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I and and while we're t- kind of talking about music and death, there is one other murder ballad I would love to tell you about. Um, Excellent. So this one is actually um, 
the the music that starts out my book. Um, it's the Trois Sisters. It's a very old uh, ballad. Nowadays, you'll hear it more more often called Wind and Rain. Um, there's like a Jerry Garcia cover of it. Does that sound familiar? Oh, the dreadful so. wind and rain. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually from a really old Appalachian, um, or actually a really old, um, I think, English. That one's an English ballad. The narrative of that one is that two sisters fall in love with the same man. Um, and out of jealousy, one drowns the other. And so the drowned girl's body washes up and a musician finds it. And he shapes her bones into fiddle pegs. And he uses her long blonde hair as strings. Um, and then that fiddle will only play one song, which is Oh, the Dreadful Wind and Rain. Um, and so I, that, that's probably my very favorite murder ballad. I just, there's so much there and it's creepy and it's sad. Um, I don't know, there's a lot of poetry in, in the idea of sort of this, this act of violence being memorialized in a musical instrument. And so this is the song um, that Shady remembers her father playing and that when he would play it, he would go into this really dark place um, and he became inaccessible to her. And so she's kind of a little obsessed with this song. She can't stop playing it. She's out in the pine woods all the time playing the song. And so the first time she hears her father, her father's music calling back to her, it's that song. Um, and that's when she begins to follow the fiddle's echoes and actually um, find the, the missing fiddle. Well, that's a very poetic and resonant uh, choice of, of yours. So I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to read the book. <laughs> I was going to make a uh, renew, reuse, recycle joke, but it seems inappropriate. Now, <laughs> so I, I also love the the imagery. There's so many stories about people being lured into the woods by, you know, a baby's cry or music or the, the call of their loved ones. So that is just such a quintessential image that I, I love that you're using it for your novel. It's it's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. And and the pine woods actually, like I based them off of so I told you I grew up in a haunted house and we moved when I was in third grade. And mm -hmm. uh we actually moved out to the country on on five acres of, of pine. Um and so I had five acres of just pine woods that I played in by myself pretty much all day as a kid, you know, just oh. So that's, it's like my entire childhood kind of bound up. Yeah. Just describing my dream to me. Thank you for that. In those pines. So, you know, it is this kind of image of childhood that I don't think we like have as much anymore. It was like, I spent all day by myself out in the woods with my dog in the Florida pine woods where there were, you know, like rattlesnakes and feral pigs. <laughs> and that was just okay. That was just what I did. But yeah, I definitely like, like for Shady, the woods are simultaneously like this place of, of beauty and peace. Um, but also they're filled with ghosts and they're filled with um, a sense of, of, of danger too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think my new headcanon is that humidity is just ghosts, that the air is so <laughs> thick down there because it's filled with ghosts. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just so oppressive and pressing in on us at all times from all corners. That's th that's good, Amanda. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. Oh, you're you're quite welcome. Wow. That's quite an image. 
(laughs) (laughs) So after everybody pre-orders and reads Ghostwood Song, are there any uh, examples of ghosts and haunting in fiction that you return to again and again, or maybe that people are not as aware of um, that you would recommend that people check out? I definitely have to shout out Carmen Maria Mikado, a past uh, guest on Spirits, whose hauntings are manifold and so well put. And I absolutely recommend those to anybody who wants to read uh, more ghostly fiction. Yeah, I would also recommend um, Seeing Unburied Seeing by Jasmine Ward, um, which I think came out in 2017. And just as we've been talking about, you know, ghosts as trauma. So she's an African-American author um and and that story is very much dealing with with racial trauma um and and lives that have been lost so it's definitely um a timely book always but especially i think in this moment um and i think also to see someone writing in the southern gothic tradition um in a really authentic way i would definitely check out sing unburied sing that sounds wonderful and uh we're gonna put it on our book list on bookshop.org you can check that out yeah and it's it's gorgeously written too it's just beautiful the prose is is just really lovely um and i think i think i read it in two sittings i just couldn't put it down oh that's my favorite just being able to sit down and power through a book that it's just it won't let you go yeah yeah it really feels like a otherworldly space to me where i'll sit down and feel like i am completely transported into the world then look up and somehow time has passed Mm -hmm. um in the way that it doesn't feel like it has so to me that's kind of the closest i get to like a a a ghostly or otherworldly realm is getting really really lost in a good story absolutely yeah So Erica, thank you so much. Again, uh, can you let people know where they can find you and find your book and everywhere you are on the internet? Sure. Yeah. So um, my website is ericawaters.com. And so that's that's a good starting place to find me. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Twitter um, as E.L. Waters and I'm on Instagram as Erica Waters Books. And Ghostwood Song, you can buy it at all major retailers, um, but I'd like to put in a plug for my local independent bookstore, Parnassus Books. Um, yeah, they um, you can actually get a, a signed copy um, from Parnassus Books if you order through there since I live in Nashville. Heck yeah. And you can probably order that online, right? Yeah, it's available for pre-order right now. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. And everybody, if you hear uh, otherworldly banjo music emanating from your local pine forest, just remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. Go to blazeball.com to sign up for our favorite fantasy baseball browser game on the internet. Go to betterhelp.com for 10% off your first month of counseling and go to dipsystories.com for a free 30-day trial. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. 
We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.